But I love that idea of Jesus actually just sort of kind of messing with people, right? Could you imagine that moment in these fish? And there they are, using his superhuman powers just to kind of mess with people. Wonder what image that you have of Jesus and kind of what he's like. So over the past number of weeks, we've been looking at this theme called Cups of Water. And today, we're going to bring that to a close, but really, the beginning just starts now. I was talking to someone two weeks ago, and they were describing a conversation they had in their workplace just over the last few weeks. The, the, the question they were really ruminating on, or the situation was, what kind of world are we bringing our kids up in? I mean, surely that's probably gone through your minds, right, over the last number of months, maybe the last couple of years. What kind of world are we bringing our kids up in? And they were lamenting this, despairing, and he had opportunity and actually said, actually, my sense is, from my faith, is that I'm looking forward to the day in which God puts things to right, where he expels all evil or injustice or darkness or death, and that he will put things back together. That was a new idea for them. In fact, he said, what I'm doing with my life now is actually building towards that. I have and carry this great strong sense of hope to which inclined their ears. I wonder this morning in the midst of that kind of world, we're wondering what kind of world are we bringing up our kids in, if you carry a sense of hope in the midst of despair and hardship. Because when Jesus came to earth, His message that he proclaimed when he began walking those streets and those cities and along those shores, something like this. So the time is up. God's promised new water has arrived here on earth. It's arriving in me. Drop everything, even your nets. Change course and put your trust in this good news. God is at work and he's at work through me. If you want to find a sense of hope, follow me. Follow me. And so over the last number of weeks, we've been unpacking that and looking at what does that look like to follow Jesus. Because what we're going to discover in a few moments is that there's a difference between believing in Jesus and actually following Jesus. There's a distinction, if you like, between those two. In fact, last week we looked at this idea of Jesus having issued those words. He gathered his disciples and a whole group of people up on a mountainside and he began to articulate to them. He gave them a portrait of what a God-shaped life looks like. He said things like, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the kind, blessed are the gentle, blessed are the meek, not weak, blessed are the peacemakers. For they actually are building towards, have had God's life infused within them. And that's the kind of world that God's bringing into being through me right now. Right now and in the age and in the regeneration to come. And then he said, I want to give you a prayer to pray. Just so you know what that looks like each day when you're combing your hair, you're applying your makeup, you're putting those new clothes on. Maybe a prayer that kind of looks like this. God, you are great and greater than me. Hallowed be your name. May your kingdom and life come through me this week as I go to my school, as I go to my workspace, as I interact in the community around about me. Will your world and being come into place through me here on earth just as it is where you dwell I wonder if you've been praying that prayer this week as you've been combing your hair, putting on your clothes, asking that question, God, how might I work and build for your kingdom that you're bringing this week in my everyday source of life? 
And so we've narrowed it down to the idea of a cup, holding a simple cup. You might not be able to transform the whole world, but you've got one person in front of you, and how will you respond? So if there's one image I'd love you to take away from this six-week series that we've been talking about, this is carry the cup. What's the cup that you will be able to offer in the course of the weeks and the months and the years ahead as you hear and sense and feel God's nudge? But in the midst of those words, as he finished them all and he painted a portrait and gave them a prayer, after the chuckles of the fish, he turns it a little bit more seriously and says these words, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. What does this mean? Well, in the context of everything he's been saying prior to this, he's mapping out, if you like, the broad way in which the world often operates in comparison with the narrow gate that he's just described about what God-shaped, kingdom-shaped, Jesus-shaped people look like. The merciful, the meek, not the weak, the peacemakers, the ones who hunger and thirst for justice. Oh, anyone can do that. Human beings can do that, but they often fall short of it. But Jesus says, this is the way that I want to actually bring alive in you even more so. This is what my father is actually on about. And so he describes this wide gate, narrow gate, and bids them make a choice. Well, often what we discover, if you read on in the story, is that the disciples miss it and miss it most profoundly. First way they miss it, is James and John the thunderheads that we've interacted with over the past few weeks. When Jesus is walking through Samaria, a place that's known for hostilities between Jews and Samaritans, they fail to actually give food and open table fellowship to Jesus. And James and John, when they hear this, they say, why don't we just call down fire from heaven just like Elijah did and we can nuke them entirely, like raise the earth. Jesus looks at them and he goes, what? I don't get you guys. You're missing me entirely. This continues on. Peter, on the very night where Jesus is going to be arrested, betrayed, and complete and achieve something that humans cannot do for themselves, die for the wrong and the evil and the death and the sin of the world and raise to new life, Peter, on that night when the soldiers come in that garden space and and they come with their swords, Peter, of all people, he reaches in and he finds a dagger and he pulls the dagger out and he says, let's get him and fight him. Now, I can't imagine anything more discouraging in Jesus' life than saying, what on the very night before all of this has happened, you produce a dagger? And what's more, Peter, that is not a dagger. This is a knife. No. He says, put that away. If you live by the sword, you will die by the sword. And they still miss it. Just before Jesus was born, there's a town by the name of Sepphoris. There was an uprising. Jewish people took it over the armory. And Herod, he calls in Varus and his legion. And they come down into Galilee, into Sepphoris, and they destroy it. Crucify thousands of Jewish people. This is the climate in which they are actually growing up in. And Jesus says, that is the wide path that leads to destruction. I mean, we're seeing it right now, aren't we, in the Ukraine. That is the way that leads to destruction. 
and it does. What I want you to do is walk the narrow path. That is hard. I remember some years ago when I played football, 150 years ago, um, I was playing up at Yulon, Yulon North. First time up there at Yulon North. Uh, if anyone knows the Latrobe Valley, you'll know that there's some hilly country up in the hills up in uh, uh, Hill End. And that the, the oval we're playing with there, if you were running down on the wing and you were looking at the other wing, you saw the torso of the person running along. That's how much the dip was. I remember work, working there, well, playing there for the first time uh, as a wet behind the ear university student come teacher up in uh, the hills at Hill End that time. And uh, I was positioned back down onto the half forward changing rover position that was for the smaller ones. Um, still the six footers, but still um, uh, down there playing and changing. Um, and I remember backing up against some other local person and I bumped him and he bumped me and I bumped him back and he bumped me back. The next thing I heard or felt was something connected with my jaw and all I remember is picking myself up after it. I remember looking at the scoreboard and, and, and the numbers making no sense. Well, afterwards, after they dragged me off and realised that I wasn't fairly coherent, um, I was back in the change rooms and one of our players said, it's okay, Troy, because <laughs> I got him back for you. <laughs> <laughs> it was some cold comfort because I went to a Maui hospital that day and the nurses treated me with contempt. You're a footballer, are you? Yeah, what's your name and address? And they turned to my wife and said, is he normally this slow? <laughs> <sighs> Wide is the path that leads to turmoil and destruction. Narrow is the path that's life-giving and restorative, that actually reaches into the age to come, and few, very few, very few follow it. In fact, if you look at the, the pattern of Jesus and the story of the people and his calling of them, he, he signals this as he approaches Jerusalem. He says, How often I've longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. Look, your house, and he's referring to the temple precinct, is left to you desolate. He anticipates that the rebellion that's forming against the Romans, the fierce sense of nationalism that's rising up is going to ferment and foment and there's going to be a great calamity and there is. Forty years after Jesus issues this prophetically, Titus surrounds the city. And Jesus says, when you see the vultures arriving, that is, Roman standards with their eagles on, God's not going to rescue you. Run to the hills. That's what you need to do. And anyone who reads or asks a rabbi why it is that God allowed the destruction of the second temple, they'd say, because of the unmitigated violence that actually continued throughout Israel and Jerusalem at that time. Telling stuff. Jesus was issuing them wide way, narrow way living, and they chose the former, just the way of everyone else. And he called them to be light. They missed it. And sometimes people reading Jesus 2,000 years later still do. See, there's a difference between faith believing in something and actually following it and living it. It's epitomized by this 2011 biopic of a man called Sam Child as a former bikie who was, uh, came to know Jesus, became a Christian and was doing some work in South Sudan. He came across Joseph Kony, that person, that militant arm that was actually 
wreaking havoc and devastation upon some of the people in South Sudan. So in his idea about what it would mean to actually protect and bring justice, he actually armed himself with might. And the story is that he pushes back with machine guns and all kinds of kind of violence. And I remember when this came out in 2011, I received a call from the people who were promoting the film and saying, hey, the the machine gun preacher is coming to Australia. Would you like to have him come and speak at New Community? And I said, wow, okay. Um, Let me think for a moment. Firstly, this. I noticed that you're portraying him as a preacher person with a semi, I think that's a semi-automatic weapon in his hand, and other ones with, with reams of bullets on it too. So I just want to ask you this question. Has he done some serious wrestling with the words of Jesus that go something like this? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And there was a silence on the other end of the phone. Now, I'm not saying there aren't times in which we need to push back or defend. That's kind of a to-the-side question. It's an important one. But still, the, the whole main narrow way walking, right? Needless to say, the person wasn't invited to come and speak because I didn't sense there was any deep wrestling. But it's so different, though, to another movie that came out more recently, Hacksaw Ridge. The story of Desmond Doss, who'd heard in the words of Jesus something about this more pacifist, peacemaking way of being, who said, okay, I might help defend for my country. So he goes into Okinawa, where there's a military force of the US are actually sort of holding their ground, and he says, I will not carry a rifle. So courageously, he steps out, and he actually does things like collecting the bodies of the wounded, even of the Japanese at times, I'm told, and actually returns them to receive them so they can get patched up again. And he does that because he really believes that Jesus is bringing a new age, a new world, and he believes that his life is in his hands ultimately and that death has been defeated. And so he is actually part of that age to come. And so with all of that behind him, he enters into the battlefield without any weapon. And the story is, and it's a true story, rescues hundreds of people from all different kinds of situations. People would have looked at Desmond Doss and said, you're a fool, you're an idiot, you are so naive. But he would have just said to you, I suspect, I'm just trying to walk the narrow way of Jesus. And so Jesus goes on and he says these words. For someone who says, how on earth would I walk that naive, radical, outrageous foolhardy life you're talking about because it seems too far beyond me as a human being to do that. (laughs) And he says these words, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. For whoever asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks The door will be open to you. For which of you, if your son, by the name of Zechariah, asks for bread, will give him a stone? Would Sean and Ruth do that? No. And if if Zach asks them for a fish, will they give him a snake? No. No. (laughs) If you, though, then, relatively to God, are evil... 
know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts? And he refers to this in another place, God's Spirit poured out into the hearts and the minds of human beings to those who sincerely ask him. In fact, Jesus gave them a different picture. They gave him a different picture in another place of a little child. And they said, he said, if you want to walk the narrow way with me that reaches up into the eternal ages that's coming here to earth, you need to receive my words in who I am just like this. People will tell you you're crazy. People will tell you you're foolish. People will tell me it's time to give him back to mum. <laughs> I'm not silly. But unless you receive me just like that, every day, every day, every day, chances are you might get into wide, wide road walking. And that is not my way. See, there's a difference between being childish and being childlike. And it's so easy for those of us who have grown up and seen the complexities of life to unhear things, to unsee things, and to realize the complexities of heartaches in the world. And so why wouldn't Jesus say, grown-ups, you need to become a bit more like a child, remember? 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 Because that's how you enter into my narrow way walking. So he pushes it a little bit further. When you might imagine, how could I possibly walk that way and live that way? He ups the ante for a moment and he actually says this. Not everyone who says to me on the day when I'm going to put rights to, wrongs to rights, where I rid evil and suffering and injustice from the world on that day, when all people give an account to me for how they've lived, some of you are going to say, Lord, Lord, we did powerful things in your name. We prayed for you. We saw miracles in your name. We cast out demons in your name. And he will say, actually, you kind of believed in me, but you never actually followed the narrow way with me. It's like you didn't know me and I didn't know you. So I think he's pressing them and saying, do you want to bring? Do you want to work towards? Do you want to walk towards that age to come? Then why don't you join with me now? There's a difference between believing and following. There's a difference between faith and obedience. Ow. What kind of world are we bringing our kids into? Well, it depends on the answer you give to Jesus' invitation to walk the narrow way. Because it's easy to say it should be left to someone else until it starts with you and me. Try and walk that way for a week. And figure out how much you need God to do it in you. Because it doesn't come humanly all the time. In fact, that's why I suspect Peter fell down on his knees and said, I am a sinner. I so much need your help. 
And so, at the end of this, band's going to come too. Jesus tells this story. At the end of this whole discourse and conversation, he said, I tell you what, if you choose the narrow way, you'll be like a builder who sets out in the morning time and actually builds a house that's on a rock. And when the storms come and when the, the wind howls and when the rain pours, your house will stand strong because it'll be built on a foundation that not only brings God's life here on earth abundantly now, but it will actually have continuity with the world that he's bringing and going to put into being one day. And I'm the one who's starting it. So would you build on me? I wonder if you know the hope that only Jesus can give. That building for him and being for him and entering into that narrow way comes when someone responds to the profound words that John writes, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, so that whoever believes will not lead a lost life, but find God's age breaking into them here and now. Do you know that hope that only Jesus can give? Well, maybe you're here this morning and you've been building your life on that rock. That's the image that you have. But it can become so tiring, can't it, in the midst of everything? Cups of water, extra expectations, perfect parenting, all of this stuff. I wonder if you might need to hear the words of another person by the name of Paul who writes this, So my dear family, be firmly fixed, unshakable, always full to overflowing with God's work, because in him, as you know, the work you're doing will not be worthless. And the image, if you like, we have of this is he encouraging and saying, keep giving cups of water, keep being available for who you are, keep praying that prayer and saying, may your kingdom through me, because he has this picture, if you like, of, of God who's weaving in his tapestry all of the cups of water, all the acts of kindness, one day into his regeneration, it will be woven together such that all the deeds that you're doing now will not be lost in the large tapestry of God's work because one day he will bring it together and put it right. So as the band plays, I wonder if we might pause and I give you two images. Building on a rock or recommitting again and saying, I want to be the person who distributes cups of water or whatever it would be because I want to partner with you again because I'm tired of being cynical. I'm tired of being tired. I just want to operate with you. You nudge me because I want to build a world with you, Jesus, so that the Zacks who grow up into it see that those foolhardy Jesus people carry a hope. Seems strange, but boy, it seems life-giving. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. You might want to just listen to the words of this song. You might want to join in just where you are seated. But let me ask you today, if you want to build upon that rock, you quietly just say, Jesus, I want to build upon you. Come into my life.
If you carry the image of the weaver, Jesus, would you nudge me in the weeks and months ahead about how I bring cups of water build for your kingdom until you come again. Hear these words.